Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of the Ice Fear season three. Three. Four. Season three. three. Season 24. three. Fuck's sake. <laughs> we're, we're still. <laughs> no, we're, we're still kicking. <laughs> we're still alive. Some. And the very first thing we have encountered this year is more author drama. I feel like this will be the. <laughs> This will be a theme going forward, guaranteed. Joy, what is happening in the world of hell or book talk or whatever it's called? So, first of all, let me just say we did very good this year. We didn't have any author drama until the end of January. Holy <laughs> shit. Nobody, that's a... has, nobody <laughs> has faked their own death yet or nice. come back from the dead. They have, however, solicited lewds and nudes from tiktok creators oh so that's where we're starting we're starting with sex how 2024 is starting off we're starting off with uh jd barker who is a thriller slash horror author he's an international best-selling author he's a new york times best-selling author and he has a new book coming out it's called i've completely forgotten behind the closed door uh, sure. It's coming out from Simon and Schulster this year in May, and it is described as um, Fifty Shades meets David Finch's The Games. So, just even uh, the Fifty Shades should have you printed <laughs> internally. Um, yeah, this actually charged dark thriller follows a couple who get sucked into a seductive and twisted game after looking into an app called Sugar and Spice. So, it basically, yeah. Um, Basically, okay. try and drum up publicity for this. Um, J.D. Barker um, sent out emails, or his um, publishing, not his publishing, his promotional house sent out emails across TikTok, BookTok, which is a very wide audience um, that was offering a, a Copy of the book, you know, the usual. If you if you do a review of the book, you get a copy of the book. That's standard for ARC releases. Um, but it was also um, noted, the email noted that, um, that it was suggested and insinuated. Sorry, I'm reading here because I will literally just start ranting if I, if I don't have a script here. <laughs> um, creator, creators were expected to create something along the lines of a lewd or raunchy video, and they were being offered monetary... Um, compensation starting at $100 for creators with 3,000 to 5,000 followers and then 2,400 for anyone with over 700k followers. Um, Baker also noted that he would personally review each video and either approve it or offer suggestions on how it to be approved and one of the suggestions was that you wear nothing and you use the book to cover up your naughty bits. That's a quote from the email. How um, big's this fucking book? That's what I want to know. Do you um, have to have like two copies <laughs> come out cover each nipple I, and like what I the fuck? Need, I would need two copies and then a third for anything below the waist. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, um, they wanted you to pose salaciously, and the suggestions were to have the camera pan slowly up your body, your nude body, to reveal you holding the book, and also you were to answer the question: Where's the weirdest place you've ever had sex? I was going to answer there and then I was like, nah, I can't, I can't, like, no, oh, no, not, get, not getting that on record on the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, that would absolutely not work. Um, 
But yeah, so, so just so, to mass email across BookTok, it seems to have been if you have a popular channel, you got the email, regardless of the content you make, review, or your age. Yeah. I was going to say, so verifying age on TikTok is probably going to be a little bit difficult. Um, there's also a lot of minors. Mothman's choking. I will be two seconds. <laughs> okay, yeah, go and uh, yeah, do that. It's always worth checking on stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how I would feel about that. Although, to be fair, I have a TikTok account with... Well, I think the range was something like 5,000 to 7,000 followers. I should have got an email. That would have been... I wish I'd gotten that email. That would have been incredible to talk about on stream. But yeah, we're already off to a kind of wild start on the author front. They always, they're always up to something, these authors. Not that I am one, but you know what they're like. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling. I could, I could have used the books to censor my feet exactly. I wouldn't have needed to use the, what is it, the Gaussian blur on Photoshop. Um, so I've also been seeing some stuff about the Hugo Awards as well. I don't know anything about Hugo Awards. Well, I dare say Joy will have something to say about that when uh, she's back. But that is a something that I feel always has drama because it always seems, it's like community-based awards, right? Is there like a, is there a group of people who decide is, is it like is there actually like a committee or is it like a fan thing um is it like the BAFTAs or like the Oscars for books or is it a little bit more kind of like community managed thing sorry about that gang I just did a semi-heimlich maneuver <laughs> nice Moth <laughs> Mothman still alive He's alive. He was Excellent. choking on some, something got lodged in his throat. Everything's good. We're fine. Panic over. Um. <laughs> That's good. I like how everyone's asking okay, and I was like, still alive? All, <laughs> all fine? <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're fine. I heard it, and I'm like, either Holly Mop has done something, or he's choking on something. So no, it's that's fine. Uh, he's fine. He's alive. That's excellent. We 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 briefly steered and we dipped our toe into Hugo Awards stuff while you were away. Um, that's yeah. That's so just just for my own clarity, see the Hugo Awards. Is that is that like an organised thing, like the Oscars and the Baftas, or is it way more like community driven? It's organised. It's a big right. Event. Okay, it's, it's a big the, event. It's, it's a, one of the most prestigious science fiction and fantasy awards that's been going on for a long time. Um, and it, <laughs> you saw something die in my eyes when I mentioned it. Yeah, it's <laughs> they have after this they have lost all credibility from what they've done. Um, I, they I did so many I, people that should have been excluded. So the, I, I saw that the author that. Um, spilled the beans on the other author drama which rounded out the year yeah. which I've already mentally parked. I find that I, I treat all, I treat all of these book talk drama things like you know a, a sieve. My brain just like takes them in, makes a reaction and then disappears. We could have had a nice feed awards. They'd be better actually. We'd probably do a better job hosting. <laughs> 
don't know what we'd actually award, what the categories would be, but it'd be good. Yeah, and this this year the Hugos is in Glasgow. Oh, Uh, fuck, really? Yes, and it's a big deal because now the pressure's on to not be censoring bastards, basically. Oh, man, I could could crash it. (laughs) You could, you could. um, (laughs) But it's... The, the the PR team and the people that were organising things, um, I can't remember his name, uh, but he got torn to shreds because he was so rude. He was basically just like, you know, I'm assuming you just don't understand English. And it was not actually <sighs> oh, giving dear. an answer and just being like, this is your first language. How are you not understanding this? And it's just like, wow, ableism, classism, racism, all in one go. Great. Fantastic. Ew. Lovely. Um, but yeah, the, the Hugos is in Glasgow this year and the pressure is now really on for them to not fuck it up, basically. <laughs> because the Hugos has now lost a lot of respect. And that's a shame because it was one of the the few, uh, you know, kind of official-ish award things that allowed for a broad range of voters. It allowed for a lot of genres. It allowed for a lot of... Um, it was getting better at diversity. It was getting better at being more inclusive. And now this has happened. So mm. it's, yeah, that's the other, the book, other book world drama that's happening right now. And you've got people like Neil Gaiman talking about how it's bullshit. And um, mm. you, you fucked up when there's all these people going, the Hugos are kind of not, they're floundering. Um, but yes, there's been several resignations. Uh, there's been public apologies that sound like, you know, you'd think the guy had skinned a puppy alive from the way he was talking about it as if it was like, it was coming from a place of like such deep, painful heart. And it's like, you were just an asshole. Like, you just had to say sorry. You didn't make it, need to make it into this huge drama. Um, but it's a very, it's a low blow for the community because the Hugos was always something that a lot of, minorities have been pushing to get recognition for yeah um, and and now it's kind of like oh well if you get a hugo it's not not going to matter because it's lost all respect great yeah hopefully hopefully (laughs) it can be redeemed i really hope it can but it's currently going through a major pr crisis because of the the, what looks to be censorship because it was a lot of the people i believe who um didn't qualify even though they qualified previous years with the same books i might add um, where usually they had some sort of criticism of China. Um, right. So that's, and you know, and that was some of the authors affected were Chinese or they were American Chinese. So it's not just a case right. of, yeah, it goes, the rabbit hole goes far down deeper than I am able to comment Wait, I, on. I was going to say that, that sounds like it could be an episode in its own right and we'd have to do that. Like, there'll be what, video essays on it. <laughs> I'm waiting yeah. for the H. Palmer guy to get dragged into it against his will and <laughs> there'll be like a six-hour video on yeah. why it's a scam. But um, No, so, sorry, to yeah. pull it back to this J.D. Barker book... Um, <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about before. My- <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll try and stay on target a little bit more this year. Um, but yeah, so... I, I was I was just looking. I've got an article up um, from the the Mary Sue article that you said, um, and yeah, three thousand to five thousand followers on TikTok, and you could get like a hundred quid for it. But then extrapolating that out, if you have if you have seven hundred thousand followers, then we'll offer you two thousand four hundred dollars. If I was to get a prom- if I was told that 
you had to do like, oh, could you do like a promotional thing? And I had 700,000 followers on TikTok. I would be asking for way more than that. Yes. Especially if you've yes. got to pose fucking naked with the books covering your nipples or whatever, you know? It, it's really a despicably low amount of money that was offered. And as I was saying before I, I got pulled away, the there was no attempt to verify age and or content creation style oh, yeah. for these emails were sent out. So yeah, I mean... While, the, the, while there was, a, you know, the alarm was raised by a woman who I think is my age, um, which is mid-30s for anyone who doesn't know, but that doesn't mean a bunch of the the teeny bopper book talkers who just do reviews of young adult fiction didn't get included in that mass email. Yeah. I think the biggest concern here is that it wasn't like a a list of known reviewers from what I'm reading it's like similar to how basically every digital agency that works in the games industry goes out to game creators it's literally going finding them on Twitch or on YouTube and seeing if they've got an email address available so someone's curated a list and I would be interested to know the any attempt on verifying the age and I would also be interested to know what the uh, what the demographic split was how many how many men were offered this uh, offer to pose with the book I'd be uh, I'd be curious to know that because I imagine it will be mainly focused on the you know women tiktokers it's it's mostly it, there doesn't seem to have been any male that we know of that have come out and spoken against it that have, that have come out and said oh I got this email too um, and that's a large part of book talk culture is it tends to be a female primarily female audience because it tends to be romance young adult whatever yeah um, and, and that's absolutely yeah. fine as well but I'm thinking if you are like I'd say there's if it, if it was only women that were sent that email, I'd say it's a, it's a much bigger red flag than if there was... I, I think it's wrong regardless. I think it's silly regardless. So I, I'm going to touch on Blur Lights as saying, this sounds like something his publishing company did. Shulster and Simon have denied all interaction with this. Um, he also did say, and in the email that was sent, it was said that J.D. Barker would personally approve each one that got used or suggestions would be given on how to improve it. As part of his defense, when he sent out an apology email, he said it was his um, PR company, it was the, the PR company that represents him that did it, and he had no involvement in it. However, I've, actually, I've actually got his full apology here. How, however, <laughs> the PR company that he talks about is was co-founded and is owned by him. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty <laughs> fuck's sake man yeah an email went out on my behalf to known book talk influencers without consideration of age or gender from a company I own it's like yep that could have maybe have been <laughs> free yeah collecting and curating um, free wank material not the best I there's See in your apology when you have to say the line, I have nothing but the deepest respect for women. You're kind of <laughs> <kinda> like, <laughs> it's like, what did you, like, 
Yeah, yeah. If 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 that if that's written in your apology, you're kind of like, yeah, you've didn't did his apology also say I have a wife and sisters or something like that? He was like, I understand. Yeah, women are human. <laughs> the, like, the full thing is that I have nothing but the deepest respect for women. I'm a husband. I'm a father. There is no excuse for the insensitivity demonstrated by my actions. The weight created by those actions is inexcusable. I can and will do better. Um, like. I mean, to be fair, there is a lot of, like, I take full responsibility for this, but I think in the immediate aftermath of something like this happened, like, you're never going to be able to write the perfect apology. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone online can write an apology and I'm not, I'm not defending him here. I'm just saying that, like, you know, it doesn't matter how many times in his own apology he says he takes responsibility, it's still... What the fuck, man? How did you allow that to happen? <laughs> yeah. It's a really... To answer Carly Wench's question, we are talking about uh, the author J.D. Barker who solicited nudes and lewds from BookTok content creators. And it is being treated as sexual harassment of these content creators, as it should be. Um, it, you, you know, there's, there was no attempt at any sort of verification. But, you know, at what point do you not realise it's a bad idea to do something like that. Like what I, I personally, like I, I even hesitate to ask people to post reviews of my books because I don't, you know, there's some authors who are fine with that. They're fine with being very involved with their community. And and I think it's a big part of Instagram and book talk author culture. If you are very involved with like, here's the reviews that people have posted. Um, But I could never imagine the, the level of audacity and also disconnection from how do you get to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to send out a mass email across book talk. Yeah. I was naked with my book. Is the, the, and, and the thing <laughs> is, it, there are, the thing is there are content creators who would do that. Someone mentioned OnlyFans in, in the chat. There are co- content creators on OnlyFans that are adult models who would have done that. However, the money they would ask for would be more than what he was willing to pay. And he yeah. knew that. Because adult well, content creators value their, their time. They value their skills. They have yeah. their rates as they should. And he knew if he went to an actual adult content creator it would be more than what he was willing to pay. I think there's also just like trying to like, I'm just thinking of, I don't want to say like baby's first sponsorship offer, but anyone who's trying to make a name for themselves in any kind of community who finally makes that jump and gets recognition by being offered, uh, we will pay you to do some sort of promotion that's a big thing. I mean, like, you know, it was it was for me the first time that I ever um, was asked if, you know, the, I could be paid to, like, play a game or, or do something like that. It's uh, it's that kind of first, oh, my my time and what I do and the, the stuff that I do to create, that's actually valuable for people. Um, the fact that this offers, like, inherently predatory um, from the get-go is just really sad. But I can guarantee you bef- whether... 
I imagine this campaign is definitely not going to happen now, but there was probably people considering it before it went public. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been dropped by his agent, if that makes anyone feel any better. He's okay. had separate ties with him. I don't know about the publication. I don't know if Schulster is going to drop him, uh, but his agent has severed ties. And yeah. one of the PR teams he works with has severed ties as well, because I guess there's two of them, one the one that he owns and another one. But it's yeah. One thing that <laughs> sorry, one thing that really fucks me off, right, is that the the statement that he's put out is on Twitter, right, and he's went and paid for that blue check mark so he can write a long form tweet. So like his 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 long form tweets like way over the normal character limit. There's like six or seven paragraphs to it, instead of like writing it as like a thread or anything. So it's like it's one big thing. And one thing that I don't particularly like about his apology is that he kind of he he lays down what happened. He then like prefaces it with like um. The email detailed several video ideas that were in keeping with events that occur in the book, a work of fiction. Those ideas were followed by the f- by this. These are just suggestions. You're welcome to use them for your video or come up with something on your own. Half the fun of something like this is to let creativity rule. The content of the video is entirely up to you. As long as it's promoting behind a closed door, it will be eligible. So get creative. And then he goes... This campaign was never approved. The email wasn't meant to go out with us without a substantial rewrite, but through a chain of errors, it did. And I take full responsibility for that. And it's like, he then, then goes into, oh, I'm so horrified. I've got nothing but the deepest respect for women. And it's like, did you need to have that bit about, oh, we also encourage them to come up with their own ideas if you really are just saying sorry for your kind of weird predatory email? It reeks you know. of, but we were giving them the chance to be empowered with making their own content. It was, yeah. we wouldn't actually tell anyone to get their tits out for the camera. It was just a suggestion. And it's like a suggestion that you were willing to pay 100 to 2000 <laughs> for, depending on their audience size. Yeah. That's, yeah. Not it's great. very predatory. It's very, um, and the thing is, with the economic times that we're living in right now, there are some people that would do that for a hundred dollars. Yeah. And they are probably very vulnerable. They probably thought, Oh, this is great. There's a New York times bestselling author offering me a chance to promote their work. I think it's Uh, also a thing just in general that it's, it's targeted. Like these people were emailed. Like if, if a PR company was to say, We'll put out a general call for anyone who would like to promote the book and you can submit stuff and if you're eligible, we'll pay you for it. But to go to, you know, so-and-so who reviews YA novels and go, hey, here's an idea, get your tits out specifically for this book to promote, it's a bit like, hmm, it's not... uh, it's not great. So, I'm like, what I'm saying is, if it was a more, if it was a more general casting call, I could maybe see it getting a little bit less heat than it currently is. Uh, but the fact it was targeted to specific creators and those emails went out specifically addressed to individuals, it's yeah, uh, yeah not so great. And it's 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 a diff as an author as an author myself as someone who writes spicy content i don't write thrillers i'm not the 50 shades of anything um 
At least in your books. At least in my books. (laughs) 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 That's what the only thing (laughs) is. The it's hard to get promotion, and you know, promotion Mm. on TikTok and Instagram has made or broken new authors' careers. I'm someone that does not use TikTok or Instagram because I I am a Tumblr gremlin. I don't feel comfortable um, doing that kind of... I'm I'm old. I'm old. I'm not into that type of content. I grew up when the internet was messages and images that loaded a line at the time on dial-up. But it's to me, it's a kind of content that I really struggle with. If anyone offered to do it for me, I, I would be so happy. I would be so grateful. But I would never expect someone to do that for me and I would also never you know if I was offering to pay them I would not lowball them that much because content creation is work you yeah. know it's not it, it's it's hard work doing content creation um and it's it, some of it's you know people kind of scoff at it and go oh you're just doing a silly dance for the th- the algorithm yeah that's part of it but that's not what a lot of book talk is doing a lot of book talk is putting in a lot of time and money into aesthetics and background drops and buying the books. A lot of these, you know, reviewers, they're not even being sent the books until they actually get big enough that a publisher recognizes them. Um, and they're, they're buying the books and they're reviewing them because it's their passion. It's their hobby. And yeah. then someone comes along and tries to exploit it in a sexually predatory manner. And they're not even being offered a fraction of what they would be getting. You know, I, there's some authors I know who, so there's a difference between uh, ARC, which is an advanced review copy review, um, which is you're not obligated to review if you get sent it. You're not obligated to give a nice review. Um, and then there's paid promotion. And oftentimes paid promotion to get on those big channels is a lot more than the $2,000 that he was offering for it's exploitation essentially um and it's it's really quite disheartening to see that that we're in such a position where content creators are we know they're undervalued like we know that between the two of us because we see that the you know the the emails we occasionally get there's like hey do this thing for our podcast and you'll get whatever free promotion we'll talk about it and it's like no why would i give away free labor for anything like I get those emails all the time going, oh, can you promote this? And it's companies that have money, but they just don't want to pay you for it. And yeah. I'm like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give away my community. I'm not going to shell something to my community that I don't believe in Yeah. for minimal. Like if I ever, if I'm ever one day start talking about diet teas, you either know that they've paid <laughs> off my medical debt or <laughs> I've been replaced by an alien. Um, but it's, it, See, I'm it, always, I'm always, I'm always terrified to even make the joke and be like, "Oh, this is sponsored by like Raid Shadow Legends or some shit." It absolutely yeah. isn't. To be clear, I would never like. It's just, you know, if you can't even make the joke in case someone <laughs> accidentally takes it uh, seriously, we are not sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends, and we are not we interested. Are not. We, we, we will never be sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Um, <laughs> but it's, but people take the deal because they need money. Yeah, you know that's the thing, and if you have someone that is vulnerable enough, they'll take their clothes off and pose with a book for a hundred dollars. And the fact that no one on his PR team that he owns didn't think, 
that's a bad idea. That's a bad look for a New York Times bestselling author to be soliciting nudes and lewds from anyone that we haven't vetted their ages of. I mean, what was I mean? What was the thought process? You you didn't want OnlyFans creators to do it. You wanted you want basically he wanted the clout of the book talk community. He wanted to be the guy that got the spicy book talk community involved. Except he didn't even target spicy book talk. He went for all of. He just went yeah broad. I mean, I think like. That's one of the, th- that's, I suppose this is maybe, this is a tangent and a half, by the way, but when it comes to how these emails were collected, I can guarantee you, because I think it's the case pretty much, pretty much globally in any sort of content creator type medium, data protection means absolutely fuck all. I like, I know for a fact that myself, my email is out there and it's been fucking given to anyone. The amount of people who share spreadsheets of content creators, because it's like, well, hey, this is the, this is like all of their information. Um, this is how you get in touch with them if you want to send them stuff. And hey, content creators always like hearing offers. And it's like, I can guarantee you. Now, don't get me wrong, there's some digital agencies out there that would never do that because they're good and a lot of them comply with things like GDPR and, uh, you know, all the kind of data privacy regulation. But for the most part, I mean, I've I've encountered some situations where it's been like, oh, could you just send us your creator list that you, like, I have cu- I have curated, I, I created a list of them because that was part of what I did for marketing and community uh, management. I made that list and that's cast iron. It's also mine and I have a relationship with each of these individuals that I've, I've spoken to. Um, you know, agencies selling on their content lists to other agencies so they can all just share stuff. You know, who knows what's happened to everyone's uh, personal information, um, especially because, you know, you then get to the point where, you know, you were saying they're spicy uh, book talkers who are probably like, you know, that's a very specific niche. You know, if that gets mixed in with a group who are, you know, YA book talker reviewers or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, they end up being you know mismatched and crossed over and suddenly it's like oh yeah they do they do this this is what their content is and it never actually corresponds to it um so yeah data privacy is a nightmare in content creation circles it's something that um i would argue um isn't really given much thought uh, I, i literally i just looked at my phone because i saw the email flash up (laughs) <laughs> and it's literally a hello content creator. Are you interested in our? <laughs> Does it actually say content creator? That's funny. <laughs> hello even... content creator. We have we have found your email and are interested in talking to you about selling our wares and goods with our gothic fashion. So it's someone that's seen me on Instagram because that's a big thing I get on Instagram. I get a lot of gothic fashion stuff on Instagram, even though I don't post myself on Instagram mm-hmm. very often. Uh, but because I follow a lot of uh, goth fashion content creators, I get the emails for promotion. And but for stuff, nice. somehow they have found the Joy Demora official email, um, and that was literally they're wanting me to promote their gothic jewelry. Normally, it's just the I normally just get an Instagram with that one, but this company went out of their way to actually find my email, so that's interesting. Great, um, your email that's pretty much nowhere online. Um, uh, so I have an email. I have a public email for Joy Demora um, for inquiries and stuff, but they didn't use that one. They used the private one, which means oh. they probably got it from a friend. 
Yeah, or that's someone weird. else has had their data taken. See, so like, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, when I, whenever I get an email into like the I for Scotland email address that I've got, it's like, yeah, sure, okay, that's pretty public. I put that everywhere so that legitimate, you know, people can get in touch. Um, but yeah, I have had a few to my personal email address, and it's like, there's definitely been some wires crossed there. Why the fuck are you speaking to me on this one? Um, the thing is, uh, the way I can only really speak for Romance Landia. Um, but the way romance networking used to work was you would ask to get involved in someone's group. You'd mm. ask to be on the mailing list because then you were sharing an audience. And yeah. now it just seems to be, what's your TikTok handle? And then if someone, if they look, they just basically go hunting for your details. They find the email that you used to sign up for TikTok. And then suddenly you're on a list with that email. Because I've had um, the email I use for TikTok, I've had promotions sent, even though my TikTok has like one video on it. That yeah, and I still get promotions to it because they found the Joy Demora writes spicy vampire books. So I still get the email, the you know the, the notifications to that private email, and yeah. it's like, go away. You you like you. I have an official email that you can use to contact me. It is posted publicly. You can use that one. Um, but it's very. It feels like you're you have no privacy left. Yeah. And it's not a pleasant sensation. Um, it's it's funny because I've I've kind of been on like both sides of it, and you'll always see soon like Next Fest is starting tomorrow. So like Steam mm -hmm. Next Fest, tons of demos get played. You know, so tons of content creators who are maybe wanting to make their way um, and you know get you know sent out game keys and and stuff like that what they'll do is they'll stream a whole bunch of games then from a marketing and community manager perspective in a studio what you'll do is you'll go and see who's played your game you'll look at youtube you'll look at twitch you'll look at people talking about it on twitter and if when you find them let's say for example they don't have their email in their bio on uh, twitch so you then you then feel like you're actually digging into this individual's life because you've been told to go and find their email address. So you look at all of their, whether they've got a link tree which has everything in it, you basically go down into their, you know, you check out their YouTube, you check out their Twitter, you check out their Instagram, and some people only list their email in one. So from a trying to actually find someone, like, we, you know, it's the mantra we always try and encourage anyone who's a content creator that genuinely does want offers to you know put their email addresses up front it gets a little bit strange when you're not entirely sure if they want to be approached maybe they're just doing this as a fun hobby and they don't want to turn it into like you know oh be a career you know like promote stuff and you know because it's a lot of fucking work like it's a lot of work to to do just in general whether you're like you know, you may just want to play games you enjoy. You don't necessarily want to cover a game every single week. Um, so it does take a bit of uh, a bit of time to kind of get into that. But I do... It, it's weird seeing both sides of it because I can see how it would maybe be frustrating for someone who's just trying to research and find out who's, um, you know, who's available um, to send out keys to and stuff. But it's another thing altogether when it's like you're actually scanning through someone's online presence in a kind of mm -hmm. weird way. And yeah, and the thing is it's going back to the 
GD Barker, the reason we're talking about this. Yeah. There was no discernment in who got sent what. It yeah. was literally, it was, I think it was probably scraped data based on how well your numbers perform. Yeah, um, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be an Excel spreadsheet that they'll have, or maybe a couple of Excel spreadsheets. They'll have copied everyone on, the, on one single one and they've just went, okay, we'll send out a batch email to all of these folk. And they it's, probably uh, the ones with the smallest numbers and sent the most emails to them because they'll only have to be $100 for yeah. photos. And it really pisses me off. It really, a huge, uh, there are many faults with BookTok. There are many things I do not like about BookTok. The community that people have worked to build around reviewing is not one of them. Mm. Because it's, a lot of the time it's small communities. You have to curate your own experience. And there are some genuinely wonderful parts of BookTok where people are just, you know, it's their hobby. They, they are so happy to talk about books. They're so happy to, to raise up marginalized authors. They're so happy to be like, look at this cool book that no one's talking about. And they mm-hmm. can absolutely catapult someone into the limelight with their audience. And that is such a wonderful thing to have. And you ha- they're just not appreciated for what they do. And they get tarnished with the whole, oh, it's book talk, it's cringe. Like, there, there's cringe in everything, yeah. you know? Um, I get criticized for marketing my books all the time because it's like, oh, you use taglines and this. And it's like, yes, because that's what works in the industry. I'm so sorry yeah. that you don't like being marketed to, but this is what works within the industry. Um, and But these people, you know, they go out of their way to almost advocate for the books that they love. Mm. And, you know, I, I, my friend's books, actually, um, my friend um, Anna Lee, her book, Lord of the Wilds, is actually coming out officially this month. Um, if anyone remembers, um, I was promoting a book last year and it was a black fairy tale story. It was an all black cast. It was wonderful. It was, it, it, I read it and I fell in love. I was so happy. And um, Anna Lee could not get a publisher. She tried for two years to get it picked up and everyone kept telling her, the market's saturated with fairy tale stories. There's no room for more. Meanwhile, a million Sarah J. Mass clones from white authors were filling mm. up the industry. You couldn't move for all the, the fairy tale re- you know, stories that were coming out, the dark erotica fairy tales and all that. You still can't move for them. And Annalise, yes, thank you, Waffle Fraud, um, the, was being told repeatedly, there's no room at the table. We know the market's full mm. of What the industry really meant was we were a black protagonist. Yeah, I was going to say um, two guesses on what that reason was. Fucking hell. Thank you for posting that waffle fraud. I really appreciate that. But Annalise is a really good friend. But um, she was going to go indie pub and the numbers she was getting was insane. And the hype from TikTok and Instagram, it made the publishers that rejected her go, oh shit, we fucked up. Mm-hmm. So now the book is coming out officially this month from a big publisher. She has a big agent. But it was the hype from TikTok and everything else that got her talent recognised. I am deadly serious when I say I have not read a book in a long time where I have gone, holy shit, this person's talented. Um, and it was so good. It was such a good you know, book. And I was so angry on her behalf that she's basically just getting blocked from the table because, mm. oh, we don't think the mainstream media wants a black fairy tale. Fuck off. There are so many people that would kill for that. And it's such, you know, it was such a, you know, 
taking it, it's in, you know, I do self-pub, I self-publish. It's a lot of work. And I, you know, when Anna Lee was asking for questions and stuff, I was trying to be like, this is what you do. This is what you do. And she was fully prepared to do that. She was fully prepared to do the work of self-pub. And then the numbers, they saw her numbers on TikTok and it was like, oh, yeah, it's, oh. like, you it's funny how they change their tune around that, don't they? <laughs> what, what do you mean this person's almost, you know, in the top 100 of fantasy on Amazon and it's a self-pub? What do you, like, that's, you know, when you if you can get into the top 100 of anything for, um, for certain categories on Amazon, um, it means your fan base is rabid. And I say this because I got into the top 100 for Paranormal with Hunger Pants. <laughs> and people pay to get into the top 100. And mm. I just, I, I got to 99 and then I dropped back out again. But I was like, holy shit. That like, I knocked somebody off who paid to be there. And Annalie did the same thing. She managed to get into the top 100 when she did herself publishing dates. And then she was forced to pull all those numbers because a publisher went, wait, we want it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Funny so, that. <laughs> they saw the numbers and they were like, shit, we yeah. should not have said no to that. And that's the power of, you can have that kind of like, that's what TikTok can be good for. Oh, it yeah. Can, they can launch good. people. Yeah. It, it can be so good for getting people who the mainstream industry don't want to get the yeah. recognition they justly deserve. Um, and it's... I hate the fact that everyone seems to hate it because oh it's it's you know it's book talk or whatever and it's cringe and it's this and it's that. You have to curate the content you want. You have to curate the community you want. It's very much like my Tumblr experience. Everyone's like, well, Tumblr's a hellhole, and I'm like, yeah, but you know, if you're able to contain things and you build your own community, it's you know, I wouldn't be anybody else. You know, I love the community oh, yeah. I built. I love <laughs> this community we've built. I love the community we have around the ice here. Um. And it's it's really disheartening <laughs> to see authors just think they can break into those communities and be like, I'll pay you money to pose naked. Like, no, you don't get access to our communities. You don't get access to the things that we have built. Yeah. And they assume that everyone's for sale. Yeah. Which, by the way, to any sponsors listening, I am for sale. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to recover some savings. Um, unless you're Raid Shadow Legends. I'm unless you're Raid Shadow Legends. I did see, I wasn't sure if this counted as um, author drama, but I did see there was a slight blip at the start of the year. I don't think it was as full-blown as anything from G.D. Barker. Uh, but there, it was... It was Someone who I don't know if author talk and book talk are two different things. I imagine they might be, but it was someone on TikTok that was basically complaining that, um, like about people rating. It's like if oh, you if, if you if you rate a book a one or two star, then you're like the worst fucking person on the planet. Um, how dare you rate something so low that someone's put so much effort into into writing? And <laughs> but like halfway through the video, she was like, "I I think she said something like I worked so hard on this book for like three months, and I see people who are rating it 
with one or two stars and you're like a disgrace to uh, you're like you're you're a disgrace to readers and reviewers and to authors everywhere if you ever rate a book uh, less than three stars and it's like I, <laughs> I was just saying like oh <laughs> three months that's uh it's quite a short time to write a book I would say is, 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 I, um, I, yeah I think my brain stopped what do you mean three months yeah I was gonna say like three months that's that's a short time to write anything I think I spent three months editing Hunger Pangs yeah I I mean if she can hammer out a book in three months good for her she's on this I mean fucking Stephen King takes a year to do a book um or is it six months for him? But that's Stephen King and he was on cocaine at the time. Um, oh, fucking hell, anyone can do anything on cocaine. Fucking give me cocaine. <laughs> me on good. cocaine and you're getting like daily playthroughs of full games, man. You can do anything my on AD, cocaine. My ADHD would finally be thriving. It would just... Fun <laughs> fact, so the, you know the, the, the crazy hours that doctors keep when they're doing like their, their internship and they're, you know, they're doing their... Um, it's great, like they're awake for 24 hours and shit like that, and they're on the floor and they're doing all that stuff. That was started in the era of cocaine medicine, and the right. doctor who put it in place was high as fuck. <laughs> and now they're expecting authors, or not authors, doctors, authors too, probably, to just be like on 24 7 because it was from the time when cocaine was like a little pick me up. Um, I mean, so that, <laughs> that, that's when authors, I keep saying authors, doctors are doing their residencies. Um, yeah, the, the hours they are expected to put in was based on when they were doing co- cocaine. cocaine. The Sherlock Holmes method of treating your ADHD: just do cocaine. There's ghosts in your vein. Better do cocaine about it. And we're still holding people to that work standard. And I'm like, sorry, if I have to be part of late stage capitalism, I should be allowed cocaine. I should uh, be allowed stimulants. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I'm not. I I am barely. I'm not even allowed Adderall. Um, so that's the. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that drives me insane that you know people who have that insane work ethic, like, oh, I did a book in three months. It's like, great. Who's your drug dealer? Like, uh, just... yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you did a book in three months. Was it any good? Because I think like that was another thing. I kind of introduced that conversation about um, the reviews are for other readers. They're not for they like. They're not for authors. They're not they're for not the authors. authors. And authors shouldn't really be dwelling on reviews that are... To be honest, I, I don't really like any sort of point system in any review. Um, and this is actually maybe a good side, uh, sideways tangent into some stuff with uh, the games industry recently. But mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think that... Uh, like marks out of 10 marks out of 100 marks out of uh, you know 5 stars or whatever I don't particularly rate them if there's like a reviewer that I kind of like trust or like you know I, I respect their opinion I'd quite like to hear their opinion but like I've never really taken a, a score as like gospel because like you know one person's seven is another person's eight point five, and it's like, why are you splitting oh, yeah, hairs absolutely. like that? You know, I mean, um, some of some of my one star reviews are probably the thing that will make most people read it because it's like you'll have someone that's like they'll say something, you know, like it's too there's there's they them language. I don't want it. Yeah, you know, it's it, 
they were fine with reading gay porn, but they were not fine with inclusivity. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> got to draw the line somewhere. You know, on bigotry. <laughs> that'll make some people go, "Oh, they them language, great! I'm going to read that." Yeah, you know? yeah. Whereas there could be a five star review that you know, and it meant that someone's like, "Oh yeah, it's got this," and it could hit someone's major squick, and they go. I was interested, but now I'm not really because it's mentioned like I, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And the the reviews are not for authors. It's it can be a nice little ego boost to know that the thing that you have written is being well received, but you cannot be dwelling on them like it's. And yeah. I know why they do because anything below a three star review, um. Especially with with Amazon specifically, it starts to hit bank goes, accounts and yeah, visibility it, on that front. It, it means that you don't hit the algorithm, um, and also if you the thing is though, if you get fifty reviews or more, you start trending in the the algorithm. Yeah, um, and if you, if you can stay there, that's great because then you get organic sales and everything else. The al- Amazon algorithms are a whole. I we, we could do multiple episodes on why it's completely fucked. Yeah. But, um, it's, you know, anything below three stars tends to take you out of the, the algorithm. It tends to stop you from trending. And yeah. you have people that say you shouldn't rate anything. Three stars is the new one star because that should be, oh, this book's not very good. That's not how it is. I, I kind of feel at that point your rating system's totally fucked then. It is, like, it's completely it, fucked. It's absolutely yeah. fucked. And that's why it, it doesn't work. And it's also why it's not for authors, it's for reviewers. Because if you're saying to people, well, you should actually be rating, uh, if it was a one star, you should actually be rating it three because otherwise you're going to destroy my algorithm reach. Yeah. I, I feel, feel like, like if that was happening, you just need to become a better writer. Yeah. Sorry. I just... I mean, I think the the problem with like reviews in general is it can like even when it's filtered down to a yes no, it can still be good because like you know people can maybe overall have an opinion in a summary, but if they boil it down to a yes no, people tend to just see that as opposed to anything else. And it's one thing that I think Steam is really really bad for in general, like reviews on games and user ratings. Um, for those who don't know. When you launch a game on Steam, the idea is that you get to 10 reviews as fast as possible. You're wanting that because that actually gets you a a rating rank. Um, So you might have, if any of you have ever played like maybe a small unknown game that maybe doesn't have that number of reviews, it won't even say like positive or very positive or anything like that. Um, It'll just tell you the number of reviews and it's like, from a discoverability perspective, that becomes really frustrating. But one thing that I've noticed just over time, and I, I don't try and write any negative reviews on Steam uh, unless there's like particularly bad ways the game's dealt with like certain subject matter. I think there's one game in particular where um, I, I played it and it was it was a walking simulator, a little bit of murder mystery, um, but it tried to approach the subject of um, suicide and had you in first person um, mm-hmm. doing it at the end, and it was just like out of nowhere, and you're kind of like, no, not great. Um, Comfortable with that. But like a lot, of, a lot of the other times when I see reviews, I mean, I've see I see people writing negative reviews and then writing a funny in-joke about the game that they've played for like 300 hours and 
like obviously if a game's got someone who's playing it for 300 hours chances are they've made quite a lot of money on the game already but Mm -hmm. the like for uh i mean even from games that i've worked on we've had like jokey negative reviews that really fucking hit you i mean it's the different it can be the difference between a positive and a very positive or a very positive and an overwhelmingly positive or even a mixed you know it's it's one of those things that you're kind of like constantly contending with and i don't think that um i hate that on steam you can you can say that a review is helpful or not helpful but you can also mark it as funny and I feel like that's probably the biggest flaw in Steam's rating system in general mm-hmm. is the fact that you shouldn't be able to mark a review as funny because then all of a sudden you've got people who are writing funny reviews. And They're using it for their own creative writing. Yeah, point. and uh, I, I just think that that's, that's not great at all. Um, but I mean, even some of the, the other stuff we were talking about, the, the Suicide Squad um, Kill the Justice League game, and there's something really weird going on with that at the moment. Um, I'll look into that because it will fully ping my hyperfixation. Oh yeah, like <laughs> can I just say, I, I I think if you're able to park the fact that it's a live service game, you'll you'll love it, and I think you'll you you know enough about the characters and stuff that you'll you'll enjoy it. It's a kind of looter shooter. Um, from what I've seen of it, it looks quite fun, um, but for some reason. Um, it seems to be hated by quite a lot of mainstream journalism, particularly uh, IGN. I noticed that, so like, I think that's a good point that Waffle Fraud mentioned in chat. Like, they didn't send out review keys for the games. So people were, you know, kind of playing it on day one. But when IGN did publish the review, they gave it like a five or a 5.5. Now, that could just be them flexing their muscles a little bit, saying, well, you didn't send out a review key. But there was already violations from an NDA side of things when they were shown previews and they've just, they've really had it out for this game specifically. IGN did a full article on the, it was like, oh, the the Kill the Justice League game's going to be discounted in the UK by like 35% on launch day. But it was actually a single eBay entry that was using like a like a seasonal discount code or something, and they made they based a full article around that big headline saying that it's um, oh it's uh, I can't believe it's launching so discounted. They know it's going to be a flop kind of thing, and it was just like Jesus. Can you relax a little bit, especially? And I mean, I don't know if I'm just feeling a little bit irate around this. I feel like I could vent about it for a while, but for unfortunately we're in a position where game studios live and die by how launch goes mm-hmm. particularly big AAA studios now one of the reasons for a lot of the the layoffs that you've seen i mean to get to put it in perspective for everyone um january alone had over half the number of total layoffs that 2023 had right it's it's nuts. Like we've, there has been over five thousand layoffs in the games industry in January alone. More is expected to come, and it's just not a great industry to be in right now. I think everyone's pretty nervous, and I think there's, like, 
the people who don't get laid off are demoralised and the people that do are now in this kind of mad scramble to try and, you know, stay in an industry that they love and they care for and they, they like it a lot. So, um, I, I think it's it seems quite mean-spirited to see a games journal that reviews games really going after a studio that, you know, if... Sure enough, I think... I, I don't really like live service games. I've never really played any of them to, like, a huge extent. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's on its way out as an actual service. It's not what a lot of people who play games want. They would like to play maybe smaller co-ops with friends, or they like single-player stuff. Um, and Or they don't mind, like, the online kind of uh, PvP matchmaking type thing, but, like, a full-on live service game, um, you know, that has seasons and updates, it's it's not great. Um, look, so I went and looked at some of the stuff, and a lot of the criticism I, I'm seeing were the exact same things that Gotham Knights got. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. For anyone that has been following my blog for the last six months, <laughs> that game grabbed me and it has not let go. <laughs> it's such a good game. It's got its faults, but it's yeah. really fun. And I'm desperate to play it with someone on, like, you can you can team up with people or you can play it solo. And this, I'm reading from this, is like, oh, you can play it solo or you can team up. Yeah. Um, I feel like these types of games learn, lend themselves to playing with mates. Like, kind of has to. Yeah. And but all the criticisms that I'm seeing are the exact same things, and all the things they're criticizing are the things that I love about Gotham Knights. <laughs> right. just like, and it comes yeah. out on my birthday, so I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying we might end up playing it. But uh, it's just, um, it's, I yeah, I think a lot of people just they get the, they want things to be a specific way, and because it is not yeah. specifically catering to them, they're gonna you know, downboat it and review bomb it because it's not the one specific thing they want. They don't judge it based on actual merit. They're judging yeah. it based on their preemptive disappointment. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think that that's particularly shitty. I also think that um there's it's a really fine line to walk because obviously it's not Arkham. And it was never trying to be Arkham, but it's the closest comparison. And I've already seen a comparison of, it was like Harley from uh, the final Arkham game, Arkham Knight, um, mm-hmm. where she's got the um, the sort of checkered outfit, but like the big squares, and it's like, she's got that, and she wears this, she, you can get the same outfit in uh, Kill the Justice League, and they were like putting them side by side and be like, oh, I can't believe the quality's dipped and all this kind of stuff, but it's like, it's a different game. You know, a live service game, you know, it's not like they were, yeah. it's not like they just copied assets over from Arkham and, you know, like kind of fingers crossed they would work. They really did have to build a lot of it from the ground up, and there's a different team, different devs, move on, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> but I do think um, it does also kind of expose the the problem with the games industry in general, which is like retaining talent is Mm -hmm. just a a fucking non-existent priority for a lot of the big studios, right? They're not interested in it. If they can squeeze like all of these people out of the industry for a fucking couple more dollars for like shareholders or exec bonuses or whatever it is, the 
they they go for it, right? They're like, and this is this is where I think a lot of people, um, you know, you look at more um, Japanese studios, like or more mm-hmm. Eastern studios in general, and the work culture there. There are people who've worked on fucking Mario and stuff like that for decades they have so much knowledge and experience on how systems and stuff like that should work meanwhile on the more kind of western dev side you know people are just getting are having a bounce between layoffs and you know starting a new studio um and it's something that's it's something that's going to have an impact on the industry and yes absolutely the japanese industry has very much issues of their own in terms of things like crunch and, and everything else um but I don't think the games industry does enough to um, nurture the talent it has or cultivate talent. It does very much push that down. I mean, I, you know, I've been obviously looking for, you know, new roles and, and jobs because, you know, my my, my time, I, I, the game I'm working on is coming to an end. But, you know, there's no AAA studios that are looking for junior roles. Like, even though I would say that I'm maybe a little bit above a junior role, I've, you know, done a little bit, um, I would understand maybe making that jump to a bigger studio, I would maybe accept a, a, a junior role. But the junior roles are fucking non-existent. Everyone's looking for senior devs, senior artists, senior producer, uh, creative leads, you know, all this kind of stuff. But there's only so many of them to go around. And unless you are... Uh, like, I don't know, and, and let, I suppose from a nepotism perspective, unless you know someone who can get you in, it's really fucking difficult to find a role. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of things that I see on, you know, LinkedIn, which is the worst fucking place on the planet. Like, it is honestly horrible. It's, it's Twitter, but like, worse somehow. Uh, LinkedIn's my... Facebook and Twitter had a baby... Yeah. And it's all the worst people you know posting about how they're such good boss people. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, it's just it's excruciating. But like the amount of people I've seen, oh well, we like people are now forming groups of unemployed devs to do to to like work on a game until they find a job, right? So they'll like mm-hmm. And I think that's got its own issues. I'm absolutely behind people who are maybe trying to rally and go, look, we want to continue to nurture our skills and and build something. But, you know, you can't expect people to... Like, you can't advertise for an unpaid position to keep people's passions ticking along while they try and find a role in an industry that is not giving a fuck about jobs. It is something that's... Very, I I am an angry man. <laughs> this it's the same thing that the whole creative industry struggles from because people yeah. say, "Well, if you really love something, you'll do it for free. So why are you charging money for your time and your skills?" And the answer will always be the same because you need to eat and pay your bills and keep a roof over your head. We do yeah. not live in a society where you can just make things because you want to, unless you were already born privileged. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is what I mean. I suppose any industry there, there's not a mass amount of uh, money or investment. I mean, half the reason for all the layoffs at the moment is because over COVID, everyone was inside. I mean, if you think of like games like Animal Crossing, like they launched at the perfect time. 
that on that onboarded so many people who maybe were playing video games for their first time. They decided to buy a Switch because it was something to do. They couldn't go outside uh, and do what they needed to do. So, you know, the amount of people who joined the industry, bought new gear, there was so much money um, from a you know, all the kind of venture capitalist people went, oh, well, everyone's inside. Video games will be uh, will be yeah. going up, so we're going to invest heavily into video games. And to be fair, last year, we saw the benefits of all that. All that investment, all that time, all that energy. 2023 was fantastic if you were they a consumer. The best, they had the best, oh, but also the video game companies had the best profits, record-breaking profits Yeah, um, from that. And yet they have no money to pay people. And I, so I, I told Mothman what we were talking about today. And he gave me this, he'd watched a, a YouTube channel called um, Moon. Hang on. going to look for it. Um, Moon Chat. Moon Channel? Moon Channel, yes. I'll put the link in here. And he explains why it's, there's this whole hour-long video on why the video game industry is not collapsing. It's just mm-hmm. the it's being intentionally done. It's how tech industries are ruining everything. And yeah. because video games are considered to be tech and not creative, they are not regulated in the same way. Um, but it was like a very kind of like, oh, the reason they are, they're saying they don't have any money and they need to do all these layoffs is because they're all running on credit. Mm. They're not using their profit to make things. They're using credit to make things. Yeah. And then when the credit, when it times comes time to pay the loan, the easiest thing to do is lay people off so that they can keep profit. Yeah. And I watched this whole hour video and I came out of it and I was like, I'm going to set things on fire. <laughs> I was so angry because it also explained how things like Airbnb get around regulations because it doesn't it's not like a hotel industry it's a tech company therefore it is not held to the same standards it's why uber is not held to the same levels as taxis because it's not a taxi service it's a tech company yeah and i was like i mean it's it's so it's so fucking interesting that you mentioned uber Uber has like never been fucking profitable, right? No. Uber in general has never fucking turned a profit. The the amount of drivers, about the amount of new drivers they need to onboard every single fucking month to keep like the the same line of money coming in is insane because the fall off rate so bad when people go oh, well, this actually pays me fuck all. This is just a gig economy thing. But the same thing happened with, there was a, there was a company called WeWork and they do yeah. like, they do offices and it's like, oh, you don't need to deal with the hassle of like um, having your own HQ or your own office. You can just pay for like, you know, you can rent an office from WeWork and then they, <laughs> like, they bought tons of properties around the world and with investment money and then the pandemic happened and no one fucking used them Mm -hmm. um it was like i this is the thing like there's so, so much of it is like silicon valley venture capitalist investors throwing money at stuff and then people bleeding through that i mean there's another there's a games company in scotland that is I don't want to say a rival because they're not making the same sort of game, but they're the arrival in size and scope to Rockstar, right? And they're new. They've never made a game yet. Not a single game, not one, right? They're working on 
they're working on one game and they're working on one AI tool and the investment that they've acquired over you know the past five years or whatever is, is paying for that and they've got offices and they've got an office in France and they've got an office somewhere else in Europe and they've got an office in uh, in Scotland and they've not made a game they've, they've not actually produced the game that anyone's paid for yet and they've they've been given like hundreds of millions of investment funds and I just don't see where they're going to get a return on that. Like, if they spend all of it, if you think, like, wages for, you know, for people for fucking three years, let's say they hire 500 developers and developers will be, you know, writers and QA and and all that sort of stuff. There's just... I, I I don't see a game releasing that they'll make all of that back and more and be able to fund three global offices at that size for the next eight years while they try and develop the next game. I mean, I think they are aiming for a kind of live service thing anyway. They're they're very much inspired by Ready Player One, which is, Mm -hmm. if anyone tells you they want to make a game inspired by Ready Player One, just don't listen to them. They're stupid. Walk the other way, yeah. Um, Yeah, fuck. As as Hello Lovely Scientist just pointed out in the chat, it'll be a write-off for someone. Yeah. And that's I mean, how these companies are getting by. They're making, they're just doing it as a write-off. A lot. Of I time. mean, we're seeing that they're, they're they're making films and doing that. Films don't get released. I I actually think that if if a film is made and then not released for a tax write-off, it should just become public property that anyone can use. Because that that Batgirl film, I think it was a Batgirl yeah. film that was filmed in Glasgow and stuff, that got written off. I think it was Warner Brothers that wrote that off last Warner year. Warner Brothers wrote it off, yep. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, the film was made. It was good to go. It it, it, it trialed well with uh, Beta Watchers. I don't know what they're called. The people who watch films before yeah. it goes out to the masses. But it's just, it's more it's profitable like, the for these companies. It, it's... <sighs> It's more profitable for these companies to just commit tax evasions and fraud yeah. than to actually do their jobs. And it pisses me off so much. And it, yeah. it's so disheartening to be in a creative industry. And you have, like, the U- I don't know if any of the UK people are watching, but the, the, the US tax system is a fucking nightmare if you're freelance or if you're self employed, especially yeah. if you're creative. And I have to track how many books are sold in each state because I have to pay. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, fuck. Sorry. I've just, yeah, shit. You do that stupid thing over there, don't you? Where like every state has their own tax and it isn't written on the item. It's like told, it's told to you. How do you know how much you're paying for stuff in general? Like, do you just find out at the till and go, ah, fuck it. You just find out at the till. You just find out at the register. Oh my nice how many books are sold in each state because then I have to pay so much. The reason I use PayHip is because they they calculate my European VAT for me. A lot of places don't. Yeah. Um but I still have to track what is done in the US because otherwise I'm not paying taxes correctly and I'm going, and yet these fuckers can make these billion dollar productions and then write them off as tax expenses. It is pretty fucking wild. Why? 
why why <laughs> i think like um, it it does it does speak to this like we we are now like so this is like late stage capitalism to the the fullest um and, you know we we're we're gonna do a little bit on AI. We could probably do a lot on AI, just on account of yeah. the the worst thing I, I I saw today was that apparently now incels are um, clothing women um, via AI. So they will find they'll find a you know a, someone with an OnlyFans. They'll steal their content and they will then run it through an AI algorithm that puts clothes on them. So incels use AI at the same time to unclothe women that don't have that content available. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, they, they, I think it's pretty clear that they hate women at this point, really. If it yeah. wasn't very clear already. <laughs> um, but that, like I'm that, really annoyed about the Taylor Swift thing when hmm. she's going after people for the deep fakes and all the stuff that's happening. And I'm glad she's doing it. Going to be yeah. clear, I'm very glad she's doing it. But at the same time, I'm annoyed that none of these companies gave a fuck when it was happening to teenagers, when it was, it was everyday people that it was happening to. Yeah, was, I'm, uh, I'm, this is terrible because I, I don't remember her name, but a 14-year-old girl uh, committed suicide based on the AI yes. deep fakes that were made about her. And there was not a fucking peep from anyone until it was it was Taylor Swift. And, you know, fair enough, I hope Taylor Swift's successful in moving that. I was particularly annoyed at fucking, was it SAG-AFTRA as well? Yeah. Who, like, the previous week had sold voice actors down the fucking drain by partnering with, a, with an AI, AI company to produce those fucking awful Scottish voiceovers that were disgusting on so many levels um and then all of a sudden they're all oh, we, we stand behind taylor swift is like oh these this needs to be regulated it's too late you fucking partnered with them last week like mm-hmm. you you you've you've literally let them get the foot in the door and now like you've given them so many like you know it's like you, you give them an inch they'll take a mile or whatever it's like you've we're well beyond that you've let them have so much that now trying to trying to regulate it back will get us back to a kind of worse place that people will accept because mm-hmm. it's like oh well at least it wasn't as bad as it was doesn't really win us any medals you know doesn't help literally makes like a good point that it's you know it included actor consent but to me it completely undermines the point of the strikes that happened yeah um, All, it was also, very much a, oh we've won the strike but fuck voice actors who are already yeah. extremely you know marginalized yeah. and you know they, they, they're such a underpaid part of the industry honestly. also and this this isn't a dig but i don't think can i don't think act of consent is a good enough um reason and the reason i say that is because Guess who'll be getting all the voice acting jobs? It'll be the ones that go, oh yeah, I don't mind if you use my voice for yeah. for AI. You know, it's it's one thing to put the power in. It's like, oh well, you can choose. You know, you can make sure that when you sign a contract, that contract can see that he's like, yeah, but good luck actually getting the contract in the first place if you don't agree to this. Um, it's a big thing with audiobooks at the minute. We have, um, there was the whole kerfuffle, was it two years ago, with Findaway Voices, which is a major distributor for um, audiobooks. They 
change their contract without telling anybody that your book could now be used to help train AI learning. And mm-hmm. the specific is as AI learning, which can be used for voice apps, for you know deaf and blind people, and a bunch of other stuff, which sounds good on the surface. However, it was also being used to make artificial narrators for books, which they now offer you to say, oh, yeah, you can just use our AI service to narrate your book and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. And the author, the, the actors, the, the voice actors could not protest if your book was being used. They had to go to the authors and beg them, please remove consent for my voice to be trained on your on this thing because they're not they weren't asking the voice actors they they gave the permission to the authors yeah. these voices were not being used um i i work with um my audio narrator and she had to specifically come to me and say i don't consent to this but i need you to remove your consent and i'm going my consent should not be part of this it's your voice yeah um i had to contact find a way on her behalf and be like do not use her voice mm-hmm. Yep. And I hate that. I hated it. It made me feel awful. And I got a very generic um, email that, and eventually they gave a kind of apology. But now they're back to doing, you can use AI, you can use this, and it's friendly and accessible. And it's like, cool. So what's going to happen to the people? You know, It means you're going to have everything voiced by Chris Pratt. That's, oh, that's fuck. the reality. That, that is my hell. I, you're right as well. You're, you're going to get the people who have the money to basically want all of these little tributaries of I'll just make my voice into fully AI and I'll I'll make sure that my my family for as long as I live and even after I die will get residuals and royalties from that and it's just it's a special type of hell um and people are yeah. saying Kiwi saying don't put that out into the universe I'm not putting it out into the universe the AI voice people are and sag after yeah. put it out into the universe because they've signed these deals um yeah. and it's very disheartening to see because like even like audible is now saying you know like oh just use our voice generation you know stuff and it's generator stuff and the average cost of an audiobook is seven grand so for people who previously couldn't afford to do that type of production it is so tempting to go with these voices that are being trained on other people's work yeah um and the thing is you know everyone's everyone's valuable like everyone's time and skill has value voice actors should be valued however a lot of the stuff with audible it's pure audible cost yeah you know um it's very kind of like and then the you know I've talked about this, this is on my blog as well. I Audible takes I think it's eighty percent of my royalties from audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I get twenty percent um, before taxes, and if I used Audible's current system, if, if I used Audible's voice actors, I would still be paying off the cost of production three years on. based on what I earn because of how it's structured. So the whole industry is structured so that you can barely afford to pay someone to do your work because you're barely making any money off of it. But at the same time, you've got people in a position of financial security who feel able to say, yeah, you can use my voice for AI. I don't care. So then you're not, it's very. I've I've actually got a, yeah, I've got a wee thing on that actually. And it's, it's, 
something that I've probably decided um, against, but I saw that someone was looking for um, voice actors for uh, a romance. So I, they were looking specifically for Scottish people. So I was like, holy shit, my time to shine. Um, and one was, this, so they, they don't have any money, so they can't, they can't pay, but they can pay with, you know, royalties based on the sales, which mm-hmm. doesn't immediately help, you know. So they, they don't have any money to pay a voice actor. So they'll end up resorting because they want to make money off of a audiobook they'll end up res- like going for someone else. I mean, they might not. They might be equally as opposed to um, to AI as, as I am. Um, but when it when it comes to it, no one's got the actual money to you know pay people what they're due because yeah. there's a there's a level of, of higher ups that are just like, well, we're gonna we're, milk we're all of paid, this. We're not. Uh, nothing's being paid for what it's actually valued at. By the, mm. there's, there's so much of our money is getting taken by the companies that do the distribution, and yeah. um, I mean royalty sharing with audiobooks is actually fairly common in indie circles because we can't afford the seven grand to pay yeah. someone out. I mean I'm able to pay my friend. I, I work with Catherine Bilson, um, because she gives me a steep friend discount, and it was a case of I can pay it over several months basically. Yeah, and. But that was the only way I was able to do audiobooks unless I wanted to use AI. That was my only options. And yeah. I have, I, the only reason I am continuing to make audiobooks going forward, I have made no money off mine. All the, like, I get, I get my, my monthly things from Audible and it's like, oh, you sold whatever it was. I think one of them was, uh, I sold five grand's worth. And after everything, I got $57 after all the returns and stuff that happens because again with amazon with returns it comes out of the author's royalties not I amazon say, oh, i hope you enjoyed your takeaway <laughs> yeah <laughs> or your takeout <laughs> um, and uh, people don't realize that when they use credits if they refund the because amazon tells you oh just refund your credit and use it for something else it's fine yeah um, and it takes the money from the author um and it's yeah, it was it was a ridiculous amount. Blur lights. It was it because I I norm, I should get twenty percent of what they make, but yeah. when you factor in the returns and taxes and processing fees and all sorts of other stuff, it's a ridiculously small amount that happens. Yeah, um, and it's it's very disheartening because I look at that and I go, okay, well. I need my ebooks to prop up the cost of production for these things. The only reason I am doing audiobooks going forward is because they are an accessibility feature. That is it. Otherwise, it would it has zero profit for me to do audiobooks. Yeah. Um, the only way I make any profit is if you buy it from my PayHip and you that and then you own the files. You're not renting them from Audible. You're not renting them from anywhere else because that's essentially what a lot of these things are. But um, it's. That was eye-opening. That was very much a, oh, this is absolutely fucked. And then all the AI stuff started happening. I'm going, that's why authors are going to do this because it opens up the audio market to them and it reduces the cost and it means that you don't mind operating at an almost 80% loss. Yeah, because it it was so cheap to begin with and at least you're getting a little bit for it, yada, yada, yeah. Yeah. It's... um, it's very being inside the industry at the minute is terrifying, and then you have people saying that you're, you know, 
uh, you're just being a, a fear monger because you don't like technology. I love technology. You know, yeah. I'm a dis- I'm a disabled author. I could not create without voice software. I could not create without a bunch of stuff. You know, I my hands don't work very well. I can't type very often. Um, I use a lot of the stuff that was you know that AI learning now uses for like odd like for dictation and everything mm. else. Unfortunately, the lack of regulation around AI and the way it's being poisoned by just stealing content online means the quality control has gone down drastically. My text oh, yeah. now no longer recognizes certain words. I mean, that and was like, the... Yeah. I was, it was the reason I dropped things like fucking Duolingo. Like, Duolingo was an example of, you know... They always talked about how their their values were about, you know, bringing language education for free to so many people and, you know, like empowering and, you know, maintaining indigenous languages and, you know, making it accessible. Um, And then they sacked like a solid chunk of all of their uh, translators and the ones that remain would like be checking what the the generative AI kind of churn out sentence wise. And it just fucking felt shit you know it wasn't it wasn't meaningful it was you know all people have always posted about their kind of jokey sentences um that they get fed and it was kind of endearing to begin with it's now 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 that you know that i kind of machines behind it just churning out garbage for you to test yourself every day it's just wank and yeah sure i know jilling was not supposed to teach you a language from scratch i studied languages i know how it works but i also don't think it's a very good language learning tool to even try and maintain a language or i don't think it complements a language very well because you get no discussion on anything like you know grammar and all the rest and it's just <laughs> to see it being filtered through the lens of AI is another thing and you know I've had people on Tumblr say to me that you know I'm really anti-AI and I take quite a strong anti-AI stance um, I fucking love AI if it's like detecting cancerous cells in someone fucking yeah, yeah. you know like fucking do that um, but from everything that I've seen on Twitter whenever I see someone using AI it's you know incels forcibly clothing people who took a picture for yeah it's it's weird or unclothing them um it's it's people trying to uh, create feature films in you know half an hour and it looks like shit Uh, it's people trying to create you know works of art and it looks like shit because they've got eight fingers but not in a oh that's a cool alien form way in a stupid fucking way (laughs) Being used for all the things that make human joy worth pursuing. Yeah. When it should be being used for finding cancer cells, automating a lot of dangerous work. You know, AI has a lot of practical applications that it should be being used for, and it is instead being used to replace human expression and joy and creativity and all these things that make us what we are you know and people say well it, it, i get really angry when people say well it gives people you know uh who you know one of the takes that really pissed me off is people saying it lets disabled people create art and i'm like disabled people have always been creating art yeah what you mean <laughs> is it lets people create clones of other people's work 
Yeah. Disabled people don't need to steal to make art. We have always been here. We have always made art. We have always done these things. The only time we get trotted out for these things is to say, oh, but think of the disabled. And it's like, yeah, yeah. we're already here and we're telling you why this is a bad idea. It's weaponizing it. And it's, uh, yeah, it as Forrest Divinity's mentioned in chat, it's like, you know, disabled people aren't the scapegoats that, like, you know, these tech bros can kind of like platform when they want to when it suits the kind of agenda of oh we actually care um you're doing it on a pile of stolen work i mean like there's we could continue going on about this forever however however <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom in the world of ai and to be honest one of the things that was really great seeing last month was the um, nightshade uh, entered kind of like 1.0 um nightshade being a way for artists to and to be honest i actually prefer this so there was already a, a another kind of thing out that would help prevent artwork being used in language learning models nightshade takes it a step further and it's the first time where i'm kind of like okay we're entering this like fun and uh, yeah tundra's uh, just put glaze in chat so glaze was a way to like kind of hide your work from being stolen or at least prevent it from being stolen where uh, well but it yeah does. Yeah, whereas Nightshade fucking changes the game, and it was the first time I kind of thought, okay, we're entering this like funky, more almost like cyberpunk uh, future where you've got people who can sabotage language learning models if they steal. Um, and Nightshade is the way to do that. So artists could, uh, whenever they post their art, if that art was ripped off by any language learning model, it would be basically like nightshade would be behind this image undetectable and it would just poison the well uh, for this whole language learning model and i was thinking about it like you know you might have some companies or whatever that are using and like a lot of, a lot of organizations out there that say they're using ai or not using ai in any sort of like meaningful way right they're just kind of absorbing data Oh yeah, for a lot of them it's just a complete buzzword. But you'll have companies who are using these models or whatever to try and do something at some point in some in some small way in an organization. If for whatever reason they decide to nick art from somewhere, like you're gonna have you know nightshade potentially bringing these folk down. And I mean like I saw some of the like what it, what happens is it actually it inf it's it acts like an infection it like mm -hmm. it grows over time so like you know the the language learning model or the you know the generative ai or whatever you want to call it will like slowly begin to if you want to create an image of a cat it'll morph that cat over time to just not be a cat anymore um i thought that was that was pretty funny but i do think it sets quite an interesting precedent this was done by I think it was the University of Chicago. Uh, there was a, a group of people there, and the like the the, the precedents there. There's like the kind of f an academic fight back against AI that has that steals, mm -hmm. and academia has always been very much against plagiarism. They have some yeah. strict plagiarism uh, models in place. Unfortunately, 
a lot of academia plagiarism systems are run by AI. So now you have people that are being pulled up for plagiarism based on their own work. Yeah, I've I've heard about that. That's nuts. Um, Another thing that I thought was quite interesting was um, the the way that sorry I just I read something in chat there that made me think of was like yeah it was, it was Magic the Gathering and it was a Wacom as well and what you're what you're finding now is that your kind of your stock image websites are absolutely filled to the fucking oh, they're, brim they're with AI the generative AI like companies that are like you know, they're they're maybe they're approaching these like stock image companies, like Adobe Stock, for example, is a, a, a good one. Like they can approach Adobe Stock. Adobe Stock has thousands of fucking images available for someone to to purchase under the guide under the guise that they are purchasing a legitimate image from somewhere that someone's either created or a photo or a photographer's taken, um, and that's no longer the case. And the people who are putting the images on these stock image websites to purchase aren't tagging them as being AI generated. So there's no moderation available for it. Um, There's no way of verifying. Uh, It's an absolute fucking free-for-all. So a lot of companies are falling into the trap of, you know, they're using a stock image website. They're then using that stock image... Yeah. They were doing the thing that was previously ethical. They were sourcing it from a place where artists were putting their work up for purchase. Yeah, and then they're now they're now using that, whether in a small capacity or the full image itself. They're using that on you know their their marketing collateral or whatever it is, and they're being absolutely crucified online for it, rightfully so. But you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not entirely their fault. They were sold a dummy by a company claiming. That this image wasn't AI generated, so <laughs> it's like it is, it is the the people talk about it being the shitification of the internet. I mean, I was saying just before we started that my day on Tumblr was I, I was hit by like a, a burst of followers. Like my my followers jumped like massively on Tumblr this morning, and looking through, and it was just like rows and rows and rows of fucking people who were they were every single. A image was an AI generated lassie. Um, they all had um, no title in their blog, and they'd all reblogged one thing. So they were definitely a legitimate blog. They'd all all re all reblogged one thing. So I've spent <laughs> I've spent a fair chunk of my day going and uh, uh, blocking them and reporting them for spam. It's just. I fucking hate shit like that. And if you look on Twitter as well, under any viral fucking tweet, you'll find just shit. You'll tons of verified accounts, like generative AI accounts that just churn out shit. And they're they're talking to each other. It's like there's not really any real people on the internet anymore, except all the yeah. cool people on Tumblr, of course. Yeah. Tumblr, cool people Tumblr's are fine. Kind of, Tumblr's kind of the last bastion a little bit for, I mean, all the con- all the funny stuff that you see everywhere else tends to be a Tumblr screenshot. Like there was a post of my, yeah. it was a screenshot of a Pinterest of an Instagram of, you know, it was like multiple <laughs> layers. Like it's been stolen. It was so pixelated. And I'm like, the post was a month old. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, just <laughs> screenshot my blog, you weirdo. But yeah. um, it's, 
it's really weird to see the amount of AI stuff that's going back and forward, back and forward. And um, and it's just robots talking to each other. Yeah. And like, what the shit? Like, I, I'm showing my age here because I, when I got on the internet, it was very wild west, but it was very human. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in chat rooms and like forums and everything else. And if you got a bot, it was always kind of like entertaining because it was like a novelty. It was yeah. like, oh, look at this dumb thing. It can barely string a sentence together. And now there's some people, I watch conversations going by on Twitter and I'm like, I don't know if they're real. Yeah. I don't know if these two people, if it's just, if these two people are just so inane that they're just talking past each other, or if this is two pieces of algorithm software just uh, like locked. Yeah. It's like they're fucking locked in a loop sometimes, and you're yeah. like you're, you're you're like you're reading them reply to each other on on Twitter, and they're like hey. the, the the good thing is, is there's a couple of things you can keep an eye out of, and it's really hard to like put words around. But like once you once you've seen it, you know that it's like fake. Um, <laughs> I find that there's there's like a lot of. Um, Anyone who tweets and then someone who anyone who replies saying things like "great post" is <laughs> like you're a bot, you're you're a bot. No one says "great post." No one compliments anyone on the internet. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but nah, it's like really, really inauthentic. Like "great post" followed by you know half a sentence of irrelevant pish. Um, it's. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got that on Tumblr the other day. I'm pretty sure I got a bot comment. That was me on my other blog, actually. That's just you. Yeah. <laughs> Great post, Joy. <laughs> then a screenshot he did and put it on Reddit and Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> but it was literally a great post. And I was like, thank you. Like, uh, it's such a weird, like, I'm so used, like, you know it's a real person because you'll either get a random kill yourself or you're okay like, <laughs> like someone just being unhinged i'm like yeah that's a person but yeah exactly kid, just like great post you're just like you're mm. not real you're not yeah. real yeah i think i think it's like one thing that i would say that nightshade gives i i it should give us all a little bit of hope is that it's someone dedicated a hell of a lot of time to think of a way not just to prevent a bad thing happen but to combat it and in a way that's like quite aggressive in the way that it combats it you know nightshade will destroy you know the language learning models which if they've been trained for a long long time could genuinely like fuck it up um and I would like to see that done for video content, and I would like to see that done for the written word, and I would like to see that done for a lot, lot more. Now, I, d- I did read that um, they are working for Nightshade to also work on still images of videos, which I thought was maybe like the next, the next big step. So people who pause videos and then rip a freeze frame out could also have their things hit. Which I think is wonderful. Um, the, the, anyone who's working on the fight against this AI-generated pish nightmare that we're all facing uh, is good, in my opinion. Yeah. Again, just to reiterate, because you know someone will hear that and it'll get taken out of context. We are pro AI with regulation. We are pro AI for you know actually good shit. Yeah. 
and stuff that matters. We're not pro AI for taking jobs away from human creation. We're not like from from like creativity and arts and you know media. You know we shouldn't be replacing those things with yeah. machines. The machines should be doing the hard labor, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, it's just we're in the worst timeline. Like the other day, someone <laughs> said to me, "Oh, we're we're heading towards a cyberpunk dystopia," and I'm like, "Bestie, a lot of us are already here." Like, <laughs> I was just, like, just just thinking of that Pirates of the Caribbean quiz. Like, you're in one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's like uh, if you're disabled, you're already in one because a lot of the time they've got you know people they're getting their you know their their cochlear their 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 hearing aids turned off. Because yeah. the company goes under and you're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like that should not be a thing. These things need to be regulated. They need to be, you know, supported. Um it's it's very I'm glad for a lot of the time my disability supports are physical things that have no technology in them. Yeah. Um, because if I was relying on other stuff, I would be completely screwed like <laughs> kiwi just mentioned musk's brain chip did you see that it was like Mu- first Musk's child can give you an orgasm on demand and i'm like i already have one of those it, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it, it doesn't require an implant for that um to have a yeah. smart machine that does that but it's very much just like we don't why why are we trying to do this why I did. I did find the um, so they, they did implant the first neural link in someone, um, like last week or something like that, and yeah. it's just it, like the the tweet that Musk put out was like this sounds like an audio log that you would find in like Dead Space. <laughs> I'm just like you know, is is there? It was like oh, man, like everything seems to be going fine. <laughs> And it's like, yep, this is the audio log you find on a dead and body. You're <laughs> surrounded by blood and there's claw marks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, everything's fine. There's yeah. blood but writing on the wall that says shoot off their limbs. But at least they could orgasm on command. On you command. Like that, that's the yeah, main sure. takeaway from that. Jeez, it's so awful. Yeah. Um, I do I do think that one of the biggest issues with generative AI in general was is the fact that I think it began as a very small group of people comp- and a lot of companies that are embracing generative AI at the moment are embracing the hype of generative AI but not quite knowing how to implement it in any way. Um, they don't actually require it in any meaningful way. They just they don't want to miss out and I think a lot of the like there's a there's a like a business embrace of generative AI because they don't want they've got that fear of missing out they've got the FOMO like they're 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 worried that it'll pass them by, but generative AI for me it was it was big data a good wee while ago it was blockchain it was fucking you know it was NFTs you know well generative AI is the next cycle has it has it amounted to any great leaps forward has any like has any generative AI thing? Sure, it's made some memes online. I mean, remember when you saw NFTs everywhere on things like Twitter and people posting them? Now you barely see any. Um, mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm sure, yeah, we've trained this AI to make a funny photo. Yeah, that's always going to get a, you know, someone on Facebook sharing it. But is it is it radically going to change anything? I don't know. To be honest, it's made radical changes for the worse. 
because yeah. I, I I ended up on the f- the front page of uh, Imager and Reddit the other day for one of my posts about Grammarly. I, oh I almost deleted my blog. I was like, <laughs> God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but a lot of editing software has become unrecognizable from what it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you get people in the notes on these posts going, well, that's what you get for using machines. And it's like, you dumb motherfuckers, these things were AIDS. They were a way of checking were, your grammar to make they, sure you miss, hadn't missed a full stop somewhere. Yeah. And they were AIDS it, and they were good. They were. And now it's sabotaging. <laughs> um, oh, and it, it literally, I, um, I watched, I had two of them running. I had I had Grammarly installed that I used for my emails primarily, or I did, I let my, my subscription lapse. And I also used to use ProWritingAid. And one of my editors phoned me late last year and was like, hi, just checking in. How are you? Have you had a head injury lately? I was like, <laughs> um, oh dear. Because she was editing, my, it was a, the Lorehaven Bound short. And I put out in October and she's like, I'm just checking because this doesn't sound like you. It sounds like if AI generated something based on your work. And I was like, what do you mean? And I went back and opened up the file and it was my words, but it wasn't. And a lot of the sentences had been changed. And I was like, that's not what I put originally. And so I, I, I retyped some sentences and then I watched the two AI features fight each other to correct the sentences to what they thought it should be. And the end result was the blandest TikTok voice sounding thing you've ever read in your life. And I was like, oh, it's just doing that. That was a feature I thought was turned off. Vibes doing automatic. Oh my God. (laughs) Hell world. When I was going through the checks, I was hitting decline. But if I wasn't double tapping decline, it wasn't registering it, and it was making the changes. Oh God! So then I sent my file to my editor, and she's just like, "Huh, you've either been replaced by the Borg, <laughs> or something has happened." Um, I, I'm now having to go back through everything I've done over the. You can see the change. It's everything I've done in the last nine months. Yeah, it looks. Fucking weird. Does at least do you the does at least do you the courtesy of allowing you to reverse it, or do you need to like go and say, actually, I wrote it this way and remember? I'm having to remember because oh fuck. So the last nine months of my work, I'm having to rewrite because I didn't realize that that was happening until I turned until I got rid of all these features. And my editor was like, I'll fix it for you. And I'm like, you don't understand. I, I feel like I, it's almost like a violation. It's like, who gave these machines the right to do any of that? I thought I had these features turned off, but even if I hadn't, me hitting decline should have been enough. Me yeah. ignore this change should have been enough. Um, That's fucking yikes. It, but I, I'm going back through it because I'm like, I don't want anyone to think my work has been AI generated because that's what it reads like. So I'm having mm. to go back and just rewrite stuff. And I'm like, Fuck. cool, this is the worst. Um, 
So what? if you're wondering about a hunger pangs too, Dilly, blame <laughs> fucking Grammarly. Bastards. It, it's really, it put, I was getting stuff done. I was in a really good mood and I was like, what do you mean everything I did for the last nine months reads like it's been written by AI? Because it takes your sentences and you just it just it does the algorithm it, it bases it on what is popular for the genre at that time. Yeah. Um and I was not meeting the standard for whatever it had been trained on for romance. So I was like, no, that's not what I wanted. And yeah. now I'm just having to rewrite everything. Fortunately, most of it's still there. Fortunately, it's not a huge loss. But yeah. I could see that happening to someone else who doesn't have human editors. I mean, I see it all the time anyway. A lot of the stuff the, the stuff I'm reading at the minute, um, it all reads very samey. It reads like the same stuff over and over and over again. And I'm like, that's what's happening. It's people are using these software things because they can't afford editing services. And yeah. that's why everything reads the same. Because they're all and also because they're all being trained on the same stuff. So it's making mistakes. Because it's no longer using grammar rules, it's being trained on user input. So that's why. You oh, great! That's <laughs> great. why you have it making insane suggestions. Like you'll be on Google Documents, and it'll be you. You try to write the word "quirked." He quirked his eyebrow, and Google's yeah. like, "Did you mean quirched? Quirched isn't a word, but that's the most common typo people make when trying to write quirked." So oh. everything's fucked when it comes to writing. Um, even Microsoft Word has been, yeah. there's, they've done something to that in the native app for that because it's making suggestions that are grammatically incorrect. Yeah. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And it's because they've switched to user in, input learning instead of here are the set rules of grammar. It's hell. Yeah. It's hell. It's hell. I hate it. I want something <laughs> that will make it so that AI cannot be trained on anything I do. I already hate that AI had access to my work for nine months. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's really like to saying get LibreOffice, babes. Yes. However, if you are in the field professionally, a lot of places will demand that you have Microsoft Word. Mm. That's the, the kicker. Like, there's a lot of companies that will demand. A lot of companies demand you have Grammarly. That's why I have it. An editing company I was working with in 2019 demanded that I use Grammarly. What to do half their fucking work? Well, it was surely they should be looking out for that stuff, no? Well, that was my job. It was my job to double check what Grammarly was saying because it was mandatory for their company to use Grammarly because they had some sort of deal with it. Um, and I just never Fuck. I, Ugh, Jesus, I, I just never got rid of it because I was paid for and I was using it for emails um, yeah. and then I saw what was happening with it and I was just like fuck <laughs> that's so, yeah. I mean like to be to be fair that's exactly the kind of thing how it starts so a company a publishing house uh, you know uh, a game studio or whatever they sign a deal with uh, an AI add-on thing like mm -hmm. Grammarly, like the voice actor AI stuff or whatever, and all of a sudden, these things that should not really have a foot in the door of like industry get a foot in the door, and then they just infect the shit out of all of it. Um, horrendous. Uh, right. <laughs> I was going to say, 
Um, yeah. So, so on on that note, if you have a toothbrush that uses Bluetooth or a mobile app, just fucking bin it. Get yourself a normal electric toothbrush from Batteries or a manual one. Um, don't have an AI an you AI don't need toothbrush. A washing machine that's got Wi-Fi. That was that was my mother's washing machine broke this week, and the guy tried to upsell her on one with Wi-Fi, and I was like, my dude, my mother barely uses the Wi-Fi on her phone. Like she I, doesn't need <laughs> one for her washing I, machine. So uh, before we wrap up. I, I, I did see a guy who checked how his internet usage was so high and his washing machine in the space of two days had used four gigabytes of data. And it's like, to do what? <laughs> what the fuck is it? What's it doing? <laughs> Probably. Samsung's just, laund- Samsung's just laundering data. Bro- I mean, let's... Oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> right. On that note, uh, I think that concludes our... Uh, our first Ice Sphere episode of 2024. Yeah, that's uh, holy shit. This is like this is like year three. It is. It's year holy three. fuck. Year. Th- oh god, we're getting old. Um. Yeah, we are. I was going to say, I'm I'm really old now. <laughs> you don't look it though. Vampire age works well with you. <laughs> Uh, right okay <laughs> right okay we will however wrap up so if you're listening on a podcast uh, platform then thanks very much for listening if you're in Twitch chat don't go anywhere we'll be around for 5-10 minutes afterwards but we uh, wish you a good start to the year and uh, yeah see you next time bye bye